Hello, ladies. The Big Balboski here. And right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness. Talking all of this madness. Talking all of this madness. They talking all of this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr., and with me this week, live from Sexyville, are my good friends. I almost said Ect2 Fly Eric Trippy. No, no, this is like, he, ain't, he ain't from Sexyville. He ain't from Sexyville, no. No, I. So here's what happened this week. I, I actually, for whatever reason, I couldn't remember if I was calling it Sexyville or Sexy Town. Sexyville. So I went back and listened to the episode where I had first said that, which was episode 190. And I stumbled on the intro because I was trying to work Sexyville into in, I had forgotten about it. But I was trying to work Sexyville into the intro. So when I listened to it tonight, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it tonight and I'll nail it. Can't do it. I think I just can't mention Sexyville in the intro to the show. It, it throws me off too much. You want to go Sexy Town? I think I'm going to try this one more time. There is a small village in Sexyville called Sexy Town. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not cutting it out. I want everyone, everyone to know how hard of a time I'm having getting Sexyville <laughs> into this, how hard I'm working to make this part of the intro. It's not your fault. When, you, when you're around sexy, it just happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Vibes it's, get thrown. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult to deal with. You, you lose your composure. So... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr., and with me this week, live from Sexyville, are my good friends, Mr. Sexy Punta Cana, then now forever, C.K. and Joe Rottermill. Bringing Jama to the barrel. Also known as All Systems Joe on All some Systems Joe, yes. <laughs> and Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. the ladies call him <coughs> Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Uh... Have a few things to discuss, but as always, before we get into it, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star <coughs> rating and review. Uh, we have WWE Draft to discuss, we have AEW uh, Dynamite to discuss, the Wednesday Night Wars, as always, well I shouldn't say as always, but a new recent segment on the show, Total Divas. Um, <laughs> I... I remember last year when they did the Superstar Shake-Up, and I think I asked everyone, you know, do you, is there anything, like, interesting that you see coming out of this? And my feeling, everyone kind of made a case for it, and my feeling was, it doesn't matter, because it's the same person making the decisions, no matter who goes where, the shows are going to equally suck. It doesn't matter who's on what show. Uh, so I didn't care last year when they did it. I cared even less this year. I can't think of a time I've been less interested in WWE than I am right now. Well, probably your sabbatical around the time when you took your sabbatical. Okay, yeah. I guess the one time I was less interested was when I wasn't watching it and when I just yes. walked away from it. So you're right. There was about seven years there where I was less interested. Uh, you're on your toes tonight, Joey. I'm I like, know, yeah. That's <laughs> the only way I get to see over the top shelf. Um, so, like, I don't care. So I'll ask you this general question first, and Joe, you could take it first since you're sitting right next to me. Was the WWE draft on Friday and Monday 
as lackluster as it seemed based on my limited like scrolling through social media. Very much so. <laughs> okay. You're you're not you're not you're not um misled or you're you're not off off of base there by saying that it definitely was. I mean, nothing was a surprise. Um nothing kind of grabbed your attention. The fact that they tried to treat it like an actual draft and showed draft rooms. <laughs> the war room was was only comical at best, nothing more than that. Can I ask who was in the war rooms? Uh, well, uh, a bunch of uh, fake executives. No, really. So it wasn't even like actual people. Uh, that we and know. the fox robot. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. It was like these these actors in this war room, and then it was funny because this one guy, <laughs> I think for, for USA, he had Ultimate Warrior face paint on. <laughs> oh my like, god! Like, like, like this fell into the category of it was so bad that it was good. Like, I, I every time it cut to the war, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> you couldn't like, tell if it was a, supposed to be a joke, a running joke, or they were trying to make it a serious thing, and that that's kind of a problem because I think they were trying to make it like a serious thing. And that's the sad thing is I am 100% certain that they wanted it to be serious and taken seriously. Yeah, like the, the Fox robot was marking out after the draft picks. It, it was something. So one thing that I did notice through like the first three rounds of the draft – the pool of names that was released was actually in draft order. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. This <laughs> this company and this guy, Vince McMahon and Paul Levesque and this woman, Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley, they want to hail themselves as this world-class, like, amazing mainstream company you release a list of names for your fake draft, and you li- you release it in the order that everyone is going to be picked. Like, how do you not see that? How do you let that happen? Like, I couldn't stop. To me, that was the most entertaining and, part. And the rules oh, for the draft, the draft were infuriating. Like, it was like old school VCR instructions. <coughs> Raw gets three for every SmackDowns two. You can pick a tag team. You pick tag team that counts as two. You pick a group that counts as one. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Go one and one. Yeah, I mean, I, so the way they did it the first time, like Raw would get the number one pick, the number three pick, and the number five pick. So SmackDown was, if it was real, SmackDown was really getting screwed there because they <laughs> Raw would basically get the fifth pick in the first round, then the first pick in the second round. They weren't <laughs> doing the, the fantasy football snake yeah. draft rules. Alo, your thoughts on the much-anticipated, much-hyped, WWE draft on Fox and USA. This was so bad. Like I, like I said when Joey was talking about it, but it, it fell to the falls to the category of it was so bad that it was good because you can't help but laugh. Like I said, the the Fox robot marking out and dancing in the war room after a SmackDown pick. I, I thought it was funny, and like I said, the, the guy with in the USA war room with the Ultra Warrior face paint, like they were so happy after like some of these draft picks. So it, it was it was a mess, but. <laughs> I applaud them for doing something different because they never did that before. Like we could have got just got two GMs like we like we're used to, but we did it. It was just network versus network, which I do kind of like that aspect of it. But like you said about the superstar shakeup, it's just people changing shows and nothing's going to change really. Like a lot of guys that a lot of guys that got drafted, a lot of them didn't really switch shows really to the, nope. for the most part. <laughs> so it, it was like 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 Eric kind of hit on it a little bit, and like I. He kind of, Eric hit on it a little bit last week about the champions or whatever, but I, I didn't really look that too much into it. I just thought it would have been smarter for the brand champions to be excluded and already be on that brand. Right. But they made these guys actually get drafted. So it's like Seth goes first and then 
SmackDown selects a WWE champion, Brock Lesnar. It's like, well, duh. Then Bailey goes after that. It's just like, well, why don't you just say the champions are, ex- are exclusive to their shows? And just yeah, like it's it, like a, it's like keepers. In like yeah, like keep, yeah. keeper, keeper league. league. Like we keep our champions. Yeah. So like, I, I was just like, this this was so I mean, bad, but like, th- th- it was just worse the fact that like the rosters are basically the same. So it was just it kind of was like a kind of like a complete waste of time. And then some people like weren't even drafted. Yeah. Then they Free got agents. Like, yeah, and then they they would like break the news on WWE.com about where they're going. Oh, the best part was did you see the preview for the backstage show? With Renee Young and Booker T, with no, Paige I, Christian, I didn't. so there was this thing going around that all day. Yes, I think it was just. I think it was. It was either yesterday or Tuesday that uh, there was like a blockbuster trade or whatever, and the trade was uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to SmackDown for future considerations. Is Sam Hinkie running one of these? Uh, <laughs> it might as well second be. round pick. <laughs> it, it might I say homage looks horrible. Like I even recognize him. He looks terrible. Do you think he's had it? <laughs> yeah, he's had it with Vince. Uh, <laughs> it's probably from the past month with this whole NXT debut on USA thing. He looks ter- like the Grays are coming in. He ain't dying no more. He looks bad. Which which uh, which brand had a more successful draft? <laughs> WWE or XFL? XFL. Wow. Oh, did they have a draft? Yeah. I didn't even know. They something like, like that. Something. Something. Yeah, they announced players and. I should have put my name in the player pool for that. Well, you're trying out for the Eagles. You're going to. You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to help that secondary. <laughs> you can help that holes. secondary. I can. I, I can't. I can't make it any worse. You can't. All you, all you got to do is watch them run by you. You fit right yeah, in. I mean, yeah, at the very least, yeah, I could just watch Stefan Diggs <laughs> run into the end zone. You can't be any slower than Sydney can't stay on the field, Jones. No. No, I, honestly, I, they're the slowest team in football, I think, mm-hmm. which is saying something. Like, 2019, it's all about speed, and they have no speed at, at like, any position, which is crazy. Um, were there any, was there anyone who got drafted from, like, NXT or that wasn't already on the main roster? No, except you can count Street Profits, but that's it. I mean, and you they had, had already kind of. You had some two hundred five yeah. live names out there too. Yeah, drafted. I mean, because we know uh, again, two hundred five live folded, so they they put those names into the hat. I did see uh, that Oni Lorkin tweeted something about like I'm going to show up at two hundred five live, and if they pull the same thing they did last week and try not to have a show, like I'm going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, God, I love those that company. Um, is there anyone? that you feel, like, excited about? Like, did they make anyone seem like a big deal? No. No, not really. I'll say Andrade. That's it. I wonder if he wasn't dating Ashley. Would he... Would he have just gotten treated the way he was always getting treated before? Maybe that's... Maybe that's what he needed. Well, he was the last pick of the first round, and after that, after he got drafted, he had a match, and Zelina Vega cut a promo about how uh, um, how everybody was picked in the round with Andrade and not the other way around. <laughs> so it was actually a really good promo. But, um, yeah, it just other, – other than Andrade, no, not at all. Everything felt convenient and in place. Like I said, it wasn't like an actual draft, um, which was, I guess, what they were going for. It just felt like – we're letting you know this guy's on this show, that guy's on that show. That's it. 
So it was like everything else. We just, it's the equivalent of like, all right, we'll send you out there to go do something. Like that sounds like basically what it is. Just going through the motions as they always do. Yeah. And, oh, and by, I'm sorry, Joey. Good. Go no, ahead. you're good. You're good. Oh, and by the way, I am furious they split up the fabulous truth. Yeah, it's really uh, heartbreaking. Well, stuff can go behind, go on behind scenes. They could be traded. You never know. <laughs> also, wasn't the point of the twenty four seven championship that it could be anywhere? No. Well, actually, like I saw that USA said we came up with the idea. We wanted on yeah. our show, but like, yeah, that, yeah, that was the the sheet that USA wanted on the show because they were trying to increase viewers for their last hour of raw. So it was the idea. So they wanted to uh, keep the twenty four seven title on raw, and then well. Well, we'll get to it later, but at least Carmella and Corey Gray get to stay together on SmackDown. Yes. Yes, they do. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, obviously not an eventful draft. Not as eventful as WWE probably imagined it would be. Probably not as eventful as Fox and USA hoped it would be. The very first week of SmackDown on Fox, they did just under 4 million viewers, which is the most viewers probably in a couple years for a WWE show. I was one of those four. Yes, I was too. Watched it live. It's a good and show too. As of, and then last week, they dipped under 3 million. So they're already basically back to where Raw is, like a little bit ahead of Raw, but you kind of expect that anyway because Fox is so much more available than <laughs> USA is. Uh, Raw, I think their ratings were only like at 2.25 million viewers or something like that. So. Both products are very stale. Viewers are not tuning in. And I can't imagine USA or Fox are very happy about it. And I don't know that there is anyone in place that can change it. Um, Now, outside of the draft stuff, is there anything even, like, happening? on the? Did anything even happen? There's one thing. Like, usually I try to go out of my way to watch two or three things that I, that I think I'll care about. There's only one thing that I watched on YouTube and had some notes on. And I'm assuming you guys could figure out what that one thing is that I watched. So, like, other than what you assume that one thing is, was there anything that even mattered on either of these shows? We got new Raw Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of relevant. What yeah, is even their name now? The Viking Raiders, That's right. which is terrible too, but yeah, nothing really, not much happened because so much focus is on the draft. So there's not really much storyline going on. And that one thing that you probably watch is probably the whole uh, Seth finding the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of entertaining. I mean, you had uh, Bray kind of commenting back, and then Seth ultimately jumping Bray, and the fans not being no, <laughs> on, not happy about turning it. on turning on Seth a little bit there. Um, Alo, before I get your thoughts on it, Joey, how did you feel about their Hell in a Cell match? Uh, wasn't no, enter- not, not good. Wasn't Clearly entertaining. It wasn't entertaining. I mean, it's something I would think you'd see on TV. And I know you guys probably covered it about like the Hell in a Cell, that that's not a conclusion you can have in a Hell in a Cell because that's the point of a Hell in a Cell match. Um, like I feared, I... I just thought they were rushing the fiend into this situation. I and mean, you still feel that way. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of vindicated yeah. in a way. <laughs> yeah, it felt to me like they did something without really knowing what they even wanted to do. 
No. Yeah. Which, if you're going to do something with that character that's so popular and so new and so fresh, you should at least know what you're trying to do. They, what, just, what they wanted to do is continue to build the Fiend and the fear of the Fiend without having him have a loss or Seth lose the title. Yeah. Is what they wanted. So then you just shouldn't have even done it. Correct. <laughs> Ayla, what were your thoughts on Seth finding the Firefly Funhouse and burning it down? Um... Because I know you I, said last week you thought they were just going to cut bait well, on this. <laughs> they somewhat did because Bray ended up getting drafted to SmackDown. So they kind of did, and now they got themselves in a booking problem because they're going to face each other at Crown Jewel for the Universal title in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And Crown I don't know Jewel how the hell. was going to be an awful pay per view. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how the hell you actually get out of that match unless they pull a fast one and, and not make it for the title like when Bray faced Randy at a. And House of Horrors, because that was initially supposed to be for the title, but then Bray switched shows. So I don't know how the hell they're going to do that. But my prediction somewhat came true because they ended Bray did end up on SmackDown. But I kind of wish it was more of a journey to find to find the Firefly Funhouse. Um, we talked about Seth's acting. It, a lot of it sometimes cringy, like when he jumped into the thing, jumped to the front to the camera at the front the Funhouse. I was like, ah. Eh. Whatever, and I did enjoy Bray. Like Seth, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And and I did like he burned it down. It was a little hokey looking, but he did burn it down. And as he was burning down, you had the the, um, the screen effect with the fiend come in, which was a nice touch. So that actually's uh, that's actually something to look forward to next week to see, like if the Firefly Funhouse is like there, but like burnt down. If he does what in there, but not much happens. And like I said. Who knows how far is it actually going to go, but they are going to continue this for at least another two weeks. I was entertained by the uh, dragging under the ring that they brought that back. <laughs> the yeah, show after hadn't the paper. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thoroughly entertained by that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had a similar thought to like what Alo just said. Like He wished it would have been more of a journey to find it, like not just, oh, I show. I, yeah, all right, I, know where the fu- I know where the fun house is. But as I often do, I probably overthought it, and I just like I started thinking like there obviously have been theories about it not being a real place, like that it takes place like in Bray's head or in his brain or in his mind, whatever. Now, like what I'm kind of wondering is. Did the fiend make make Seth like Bray? Like Bray was broken to a point that something broke in him which created the fiend, and now he's in this Firefly Funhouse. Because we've never seen Bray outside of the funhouse. Like we only see Bray in the funhouse, and when it's not in the funhouse, it's the fiend. So it's like the fiend has taken control of Bray's like physical being. Yes. And Bray is trapped in whatever the Firefly Whatever world is. that is. Is Seth now like Bray? Where Seth is... The Seth that we've known is now there. And we may not see... Like, now that Seth has gone there and has burned it down, will we maybe not see the Seth that we know? Will Seth be different? Now, we that obviously could be proven wrong, like, you know, within a couple days. Very, very deep, brother. But that's, like, what I was thinking is, like, Seth is not Seth Rollins anymore. Seth was not physically there. It's not a physical place he could burn down. It's a mental kind of... 
State, and, of, state of mind. Yes. And I don't think that the Firefly Funhouse is destroyed or burned down. No, it'll come back and stuff will be confused to how that's possible. Yeah, because we've seen Ramblin' Rabbit die how many times? <laughs> and he's always back the next week. So, like, I assume the Poor Firefly Ramblin Funhouse Rabbit. will be on the next show that it has the opportunity to be. Um, I did think that it that it was interesting, though that Bray was, like, like sad that Seth was attacking him, like, didn't understand why. Mm. Confused. And it's like, okay, like, where is that going? Like, and why was Bray so powerless to stop him? Or did Bray just not want to stop him? Is Bray just there to try to help Seth fall further into whatever the hell this is? Again, I'm probably thinking too much into it. Um, you had a couple of acid this week, didn't you? No, I no. I just was like trying to make some kind of sense of it. The other the other thought I had was right now I'm picturing a, like a, a, little, a little corner of your basement where you have strings tied around the fiend and Bray and Seth. They all connect in some tangled like, web, uh, like Always Sunny when Charlie's looking yeah. for Pepe Sylvia or whatever his name. Pretty was. much, yeah. That's, um, that's what I'm kind of picturing in my head right now. The other thought that I had was if the Bray that we know it has been trapped in the funhouse, did Bray maybe need Seth? to, like, set him free of the funhouse. And now do we maybe see the actual Bray finally show up? What show did he get drafted to? SmackDown? Yep. Yeah. So, like, maybe we'll see Funhouse Bray on SmackDown for the first time. I don't know. I think I really don't know what to expect. But I, my best bet is to probably assume whatever is the laziest, least complicated thing for them to do is probably what they're going to do. Yeah, he got drafted, yeah. He got drafted <laughs> to SmackDown, and if I'm correct... I could be messing the verbiage. Uh, Steph said, "Careful what you wish for." Mm. Yeah, SmackDown drafts Bray uh, the Fiend or Bray Wyatt. Yeah, Pat, you did a lot of thinking right there. I yeah. did like two. Like I, said, <laughs> I liked a lot of it too, though. <laughs> it, like to me, there's like interesting storytelling they could do with it. I just don't believe they. I would never really do that. Never really thought that deep that you haven't seen Bray outside the Fire Funhouse, but you haven't. It's factual. Yeah, and there, if you remember, there was the one episode where there was, like, I don't know if he said it or there was a sign on the door that said, like, something about, like, like something for, for he who exits here, basically meaning, like, nobody can leave. So, like, maybe somehow, like, Bray used the Fiend to get Seth to set him free. I don't know. I Like I said, I thought too much about it. And yes. I, I assume everything that I said will be proven to not be part of the story by tomorrow night. Probably well, <laughs> Ryan Gerard James does listen, so you never know. He does. I don't know if we. I don't know if he'll hear it in time though. Although you know what, SmackDown shows and Raw shows have been scrapped an hour before time, so maybe we could get this out to him just in time. Yep, they did it last week. <laughs> does, yeah. does anyone else feel guilty watching SmackDown on Friday night? Like, I feel like I like I should be outside drinking or out to at a party or something. I'm like, I'm, I'm at home watching SmackDown right now. I, I haven't feel, watched it live. I feel bad. So the first week I didn't because I felt like, ah, eh, this is like a new thing. This is like a historic moment. I should watch it. Now, if I would have been watching it this week, I probably would have felt that way. Especially if it was as mediocre as you guys said. I'd be like, what am I? What am I doing? Because I like really, I had fun for the first hour of SmackDown last Friday, the first one, and then the second half I kind of was like losing interest. Although the I think the Shane uh, KO match was in the second hour, that was yeah. awesome. But then of course, 
I was immediately put off by all the Brock stuff and defeating Kofi in four seconds. and That was very disheartening. I mean, I get it. You want to put the title on Brock. Cool, whatever. But make it something worth watching. More than, like, just a squash. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think I know the other thing that may need to be discussed from the main roster. We have a whole new Bailey. Rebellious Bailey. <laughs> we didn't get the cigarette and the leather jacket, unfortunately. Got the short, short hair. And yeah, the haircut. ponytail is gone. And she's got a, she got a whole new attitude. Took a pickaxe uh, to one of her Bailey friends. Yeah, now... Ayla, I'll start with you this time. Did you like this? Did you think this was, like, too much? No, I, I liked it because well, we, we, we created this. Uh, <laughs> we spoke it into existence. Yeah, we did. I, I still need the, the, the leather jacket, though. I, I still need that. But, yeah, like the whole haircut thing, I didn't think she would get a haircut just so she would, like, let, let her hair down. But the haircut was a nice touch, too. And, like, her destroying the Bailey buddies, like, she kind of had to do that because that was a part of her. So she, so she had to, like – Get rid of that on her own. So I, I like that aspect of it. A lot of people complain, say, oh, my God, this is so corny. But that was her character. Like, those were go, – those the ba- uh, the Bailey buddies go hand-in-hand with Bailey. So that had to be done. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. And if, I don't know if you guys – either of you saw the video. Somebody took a video of their, like, six-year-old or yes. five-year-old kid crying when Bailey did that. I'm like, oh, my God, like, that tells you how good that is. If a little kid is crying that Bailey did that. Yeah, there, there's a there's a there's something going around I cried about. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so did, so did, so did Sadie. Well, the best part was when when Jen texts Prep saying, "Well, by the time Sadie's old enough, Bailey may be a face again." Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was but like, uh, there was something going around about Izzy's reaction to Bailey turning heel. I didn't well, I didn't look at it, but I did see the headline of that. But yeah, I thought it was good and. Like even after she won the title, so basically Charlotte getting her ten frame was to basically progress Bailey's storyline about of her turning heel and the whole Bailey saying, "Hey bitches, screw you, <laughs> screw all of you," loved it. And the fact that Sasha quoted it with a smiley face on Twitter after was perfect. So because you like, guys, have you guys seen um, uh, what is the show called? It's the uh, the animated show on Netflix about puberty. Mm-mm. Joey, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Um, well, I guess it doesn't matter if neither of you have seen it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, but go ahead. You said you didn't watch the Izzy thing. You did like what they did with Bailey. Yeah, I did like it because everything they did was like everything. Everything Bailey was like went ba- Bailey was connected to, and you had to strip. You had to strip her down of everything that everybody loved about her. And we talked about it for for weeks. And if you go back to when she lost the title at title at the pay-per-view, everything led up to this because we were saying that when Bailey first turned heel and joined Sasha, she basically did it for reasons that weren't heelish. She wasn't doing nothing different. But then when she did lose the title and people were, were cheering that she lost the title, it made her change and kind of snap a bit. So it was all everything that happened with that story was actually valid. Yeah, and I liked it. I, I thought it was cool that she showed up with a different look, that her gear looked a little bit more edgy than we're used to, like the haircut, the demeanor, like the way she even talked yeah, in the backstage interview, I felt was like the most convincing I've ever seen her in an interview in a long time. So yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was cool to see. Um, 
But yeah, the show is called Big Mouth. Okay. On Netflix. I haven't seen it. Okay, and like one of the characters on the show is called the Hormone Monster, which is just like this gross character that basically represents all of the like disgusting, like teenage, like sexual urges you have. And the boys have one, and then the girls have one. So somebody tweeted, what do you think Bailey's hormone monster's name is? Which I thought was really (laughs) funny, because that was our whole thing, was like Bailey was going to go through her rebellious teenage phase, and then this random person on Twitter is talking about her going through puberty. (laughs) But then somebody responded to it that her hormone monster's (laughs) name was Sasha, which I thought was... Well Um, played. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, as far as, like, main roster WWE stuff, I don't know that there's anything else to talk about other than I will not watch Crown Jewel. I don't care about much that they're doing. I don't care about almost anything. I mean, I don't care about Tyson Fury, no offense. I don't care about Cain Velasquez, who looks like, comes out with his dad bud and his <laughs> knee brace, and I'm supposed to be intimidated. I know he's a bad man, but come on. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they have to, they kind of have to make him the champion. Like, they didn't just sign him for multiple years just to bring him out and lose to Brock? Like, I don't... Oh, no, he's going to lose to Brock. Brock's in his payback, essentially. That may, that makes it even more annoying to me. Oh, yeah, there's just, no doubt Brock's winning. I just have, have had enough. Um, <coughs> so, how about we talk about the Wednesday Night War a little bit? The Wednesday Night Wars. Getting to the wars? Yeah, Joey, do you find yourself flipping back and forth oh, on definitely. Wednesday nights? definitely. And I kind of gravitate to which one I think is the more compelling match. Um, which one's keeping my interest more. So, yeah, so I do flip back and forth. during the two hours, do you find yourself watching more of one show than the other? Or do you think it's pretty equal? Uh, I think the first week I think I watched more NXT. I think some of the matches were better. This week I found myself probably very neutral, 50-50. So you're truly back and forth. Yeah. You, you, you do not have a horse in this race. Not currently, like I said. The horse in the race I, is you, and that you're going to watch. I am, I am, I am a racehorse <laughs> yeah. in many, many forms and fashion. Okay, but yeah, I, I find myself kind of fifty forty, maybe a little bit more AEW this week, just because um, they had that Hangman Page Omega match, which was mm-hmm. really good, and two other matches I thought are very interesting to watch. So, but mostly you're just kind of saying I'll just watch whichever thing I think is the best. Yeah, I mean, who who captures my interest? Like Ripley Rhea this week. Rhea was, was awesome. I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of left that on to watch that segment and vice versa. Yeah. So interesting in Alo. I know you, you had been saying for weeks you were probably going to be flipping back and forth. Have you been flipping back and forth? Well, remember, I went yesterday. Oh, that's right. So oh, you couldn't my flip. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I had to sit there. Um, it's actually more intera- real interactive. Um, kind of more of a house show feel because Justin Roberts, like he'll talk to you during the commercial breaks and stuff talk to the audience but um i thought this week's show was good for the most part and one thing i i'm glad i, I just remember this and Prash, i completely agree with sammy guevara in person <laughs> I, I i completely agree because like they don't look good together like, so you got that circle. same like this does not he does not come off great well yeah that too like Hager with, with Jericho works. That That's fine because Hager is like a straight guy. But like he has LAX, well, they're Ortiz and Santana, but they they, they come out with the flags and stuff. And Sammy Guevara, he, he has to find himself 
basically, basically. Mm-hmm. and then you have Hager, you know, like Jericho, I said Jericho and Hager work, but them as a unit, like in person, they just don't mesh well together, maybe in due time, but even like after the match when Sammy Guevara came out with the, with the bubbly, like sticking his tongue out and raising the 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 bottle like this this is not you kid this this is not (laughs) move it along yeah Yeah. that's how i feel that he's like trying to pretend like he's something he's not and it it comes across like very not genuine yeah like for for an example now granted like i said they're still early they've only been a thing for a few weeks but evolution like they look like a group. Like they look like they will be hanging together. They fit their part too. Like the whole play of evolution fits. Yeah, yeah. Like even like when they first like before they were like officially evolution, they 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 all were like nice looking guys, um, but always dressed up and stuff. Like they look like a unit. Like these guys right at this time, they don't really feel like a unit to me. But like I said, they still have to kind of find themselves because this is this is still fairly new but yeah semi Guevara, go to hell home <laughs> and, and some of it may just be that like jericho is so much bigger like not physically but like he's just such a bigger personality star than everyone and else that it's like they all just seem like like they don't fit with him because like how many people could fit with him yeah well yeah but like, like i said it's just the look of it too like even though he's a spanish god look how sexy he is yeah. but uh it, it just didn't it just didn't look right like i'll go back to my evolution comparison like a young randy orton he looked like he fit with those guys and actually like hung out with those guys and uh or he wasn't he wasn't really doing nothing that you were that you really didn't think wasn't him right you know he, like he carries he himself just, like he carries himself yeah, like Eric, like Bruce Pritchard says this all the time. He's like, Randy Orton looks. He's he has that look like that you want to hate him because he's a good looking guy, <laughs> and he's just like laid back and chill. Like all he did is like really pose and just walk down the rep because he just looks like an asshole. Yeah, kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really care. Yeah, yeah uh, I can see that. Uh, so to me, it almost feels like the Wednesday Night Wars are feeling more like. A Wednesday night water balloon fight. Because... <laughs> well, 80 weeks to go. Yeah. So. AEW... Well, so it's... To me, it's, it's almost on both ends. Like, AEW obviously has won all three weeks. They got 1.4 million viewers week one. 1.1 million viewers week two. Like, a shade over one... Like, I think it was 1.014 million viewers. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. yeah. Was week. It was a, last week, was it 1.018? 1. 1.114. Okay. It's okay. So they still lost viewers. Yeah, 1.409, 1.114, and 1.04. So okay. their, their ratings have are already down 28% from where they started week one. And next week, like, they're probably in danger of falling under a million viewers for the first time. They'll still beat mm-hmm. NXT, but, like, they're going to fall below a million. Uh, NXT, that first week unopposed, they did 1.2 million, 1.006 million, 890,000 uh, their first week against AEW. I think 791 last uh, yeah. week. And 712 this week. Yep. So they're down almost 41% from where they started. Now, granted, some of that's not fair because they were they had no competition. But, like, 
that first week both shows were on, I think that that they totaled what did we say it was eight ninety and one point four? Yeah, so, it's so about, yeah, it was like two point two or two point three million <laughs> viewers. They're already down to what did I say seven twelve, and so they're already at one point seven million viewers total for the week. Yeah, so the viewers on are just gone. So the viewers are already like tuning out to a degree. And there's no Wednesday night football. No. Uh, well, there was preseason last night, <laughs> which finished ahead of AEW. So, do, do you have any concern that maybe the excitement for wrestling is still just the same people who watch Raw every Monday anyway? Um, a little bit. Based on, like, SmackDown dropping by a million viewers from week one to two, Raw with the draft, like, the continuation of the draft being back exactly where they always are, under two and a half million. AEW and NXT declining each of the last three weeks. Well, like, you're creating a, you're kind of diluting the pool there. I mean, you're creating an environment where people are going to start choosing which shows. They're not going to watch all of them. It's just not going to happen. No one's do you think the fan, the fan base is just getting divided week. between shows? They're getting shows. divided between shows. I mean, you're not, you're, they're not just totally disappearing. They're fan, wrestling fans in general. Some people might watch Raw because they prefer Raw. Some people might stay in Friday nights and not have a life and watch SmackDown. <laughs> Some people might prefer that Wednesday night thing and they'll split between AEW. You're just diluting the, the, the fan base. Yeah, and then also NXT is on, available on demand the next day for WWE. But, yeah, like SmackDown, their ratings are up because they're on a, a national nationally televised network. So... They're going to be up for what they were on USA, but all rest like you just said, wrestling ratings were down all aboard right after the debut week of AEW and SmackDown on Fox. So I think we're at the we're at the point where like these ratings will be pretty much what they are. Like in NBA is about to start next week, so you got ESPN NBA Wednesdays. So the ratings will you'll you'll see similar ratings I think throughout the whole basketball year too, but yeah it, it's it kind of, like I like, like we talked about when AEW four we debuted it you said it's the same two point three million people or whatever watching and I agree with you but it, it kind of got lost in which what we were all saying but I agree with you it's gonna be that same kind of audience that seems to be coming back yeah I think like there was this feeling with like seeing the ads on like Fox on like during NFL coverage or seeing AEW ads uh, during NBA coverage or whatever the case may be. Like I drove past a built an AEW billboard the other night. It's one one by my job. Yeah. And it's, I think there was this sense of like, Oh, this is like, well, didn't one of you guys even say there was like something on TV guide. I think it might've been you last week. Yeah. Like this sense of like, oh, wrestling's about to be big again. It's about to be cool again. And I think it's just like not true. It's wrestling. Yeah. And that's like I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news, but like AEW, I almost feel like they're – I don't know if they're doing anything other than just not being WWE at this point. Like to me, that is the biggest selling point of AEW is they're just not the McMahon's. Yes. Yeah, and, and at, once, at some point, that's not going to be enough. Yeah, because I'm glad, I'm glad you talked about talked about that. About we're talking about wrestling as a whole and with the ratings and stuff. So, AEW they do their uh, they do their publicity tours. Like when they were in Philly, they won the news and stuff. But uh, WWE, for example, so 
my mom even knew about smacked it smacked it because she asked me about it she's like oh well, the, the rock came back right because she saw the stuff on fox mm-hmm. and i was like yeah he came back for the night or whatever so, so that was smackdown's highest show in a long time so wwe on fox week you had wwe on every fox show they wanted to heard they were on uninterrupted even today uh homage was on first take with tyson fury promoting crown jewel and but Stephen A. Don't talk about, you know how I feel about Stephen A. Talk about wrestling. Stop it. But um, <laughs> you, gotta get and, my, you gotta call me out on that. I I, I do. Stephen A. Low to Stephen A. Stop it. But <clears throat> but even when WWE got that Fox deal, we were like, I mean, the ESPN deal is like this is a big deal, you know. But how? But how much has that actually like affected Changed the, the product? Yeah. It, it, like I understand that the struggle for pro wrestling's entire existence is trying to be recognized as like a real like sport with the NBA, NFL and stuff like that. But WWE, they've been, they've had this ESPN partnership, which is the worldwide leader in sports. They got this Fox thing going on. The Fox thing worked for a a week or week as of now, but how much buzz are you actually going to get with wrestling anymore? You can't. And like that, so that's, and that's maybe where, unless you see, unless these CM Punk rumors are true. Right, like that's something that would get some interest. Some um, interest? That'd get a lot of interest. But I guess like, yeah, because if you think about it, when wrestling was huge in the 80s, it was huge, I think, largely with like a younger audience that believed it was real, that believed Hulk Hogan was really beating up these terrifying guys. Yeah. And then when it hit its next boom in the late 90s, I don't believe it was because people thought it was real. I believe it's because people were entertained by the characters and the stories. Mm-hmm. And, and like, we all knew that wrestling was fake by then. You know, I think any 10-year-old knew it wasn't real for the most part. People weren't tuning in because they thought Stone Cold was really beating up Vince McMahon. They wanted to watch what happened every week to see how Vince would try to st- screw Stone Cold and see how Stone Cold would actually end up screwing Vince in the long run. I think that, but that's like the problem. If you're trying to sell the wrestling aspect of it, nobody's going to care but the people who already care. Yeah. Nobody who, who loved Stone Cold 20 years ago is going to tune into AEW and be like, yes, I love this, because they're not doing anything that appeals to that viewer. It's just a wrestling show. And like someone like me, who I, I will root for them, I will support them because I want to see them succeed. Because I appreciate the risk that they're taking and how much they've put into this and invested in it. Um, but, like, I'm watching it. I'm just like, this is not for me. Like, this is just – it's just a wrestling show. Like, there's nothing happening on AEW in the ring that's really any better than what I could see on Monday night or Friday night. Um and maybe over time we'll start to see like more logic in AEW than we see in WWE. We'll have less disappointment watching AEW than WWE. But as like a TV watching experience, it's like it's there's like not it's not really a TV watching experience. It's just watching wrestling. And that's where my concern is is like you're not going to get a big audience unless you do something that's going to to retain an audience. WWE had their best opportunity to, like, introduce themselves to people again, and they did mm-hmm. nothing to bring anyone back. They just it kind of like, went backwards because they for a while they were doing some some good stuff. I thought now they're just throwing non wrestlers there, just trying to get the name grab and 
that's not stuff that I'm interested in. Well, yeah, something I said last week. Like, it's one thing to throw these actual fighters in, but, like, these guys are not Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Like, they always talk about that, how Mike Tyson legitimized them. He was Mike Tyson. He was the, one of the biggest stars in the world. Like, someone that people were just interested in and fascinated by. That's why it mattered. And he had all this crazy stuff happening in his life at the time. That's why that was a big deal. Tyson Fury is not Mike. The only thing they have in common is they have Tyson in Tyson. the name. That's it. Yeah. Kane Velasquez, yeah. he has a, like, I'm sure there's like an MMA following that's not as big as the following Mike Tyson had. It's not changing anything. Like, it's not... Well, the, that's just the classic WWE formula. This worked before. Let's do it again. Instead of being new and inventive and trying some things that might gather some people. They're saying, oh, that worked. Let's do this. Yeah, and yeah, one of the things that concerns me... Sorry to cut you off, Alo. Um, but I would like your thoughts on this. Uh, Triple H was asked, like, what other, like, combat sports, you know figures would you like to bring into WWE? And he brings up, like, Floyd Mayweather and other people. It's like, what are they going to do? Like, Floyd Mayweather is not going to make people watch WWE. Why do we need Floyd Mayweather in WWE? There's, like, no reason. Why do we need Conor McGregor in WWE? We don't. We don't need Tyson Fury. I, To me, it's just kind of... It's another thing that just seems lazy to me. Like, you think, oh, the people who watch them here are going to watch them... The watch them there are going to watch them here. Yeah, it's yeah. not... Necessarily In the meantime, true. you're just wasting talent that you do have on your roster. That'll sit yeah, behind the I, scenes and watch these guys. Yeah, I think tri- when Triple H brought up Floyd Mayweather, I think the question was about the t- it was about the talent, but it was about their personalities because they do like. But Tyson May- Floyd Mayweather, fine. But Tyson Fury, if I didn't watch ESPN or First Take, I wouldn't know who Tyson Fury is. Like I didn't even know what he looked like until I saw him on SmackDown that one week. Right. Yeah, I know his voice because. People- most people are in that boat, like with you. They yeah. don't. They wouldn't. If you mentioned Tyson Fury, you have no idea what he looks like. Yeah, like I know his voice because he always would be on ESPN talking about Deontay Wilder. But, <laughs> but that 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 that's it. I don't. That that's it. That, that, that's it. But, like, I don't know. It's just WWE. They're lucky to put themselves in a position where the ratings will never matter for them. Because yeah. no matter what, they were getting a, they got a billion dollars for a shit SmackDown and a billion and a half for a shit Raw, and then on top of that, all the other stuff that they streaming have going service on, and yeah, streaming service, they're not hurting for money or ratings anymore because it's not a like the ratings really don't matter anymore. And even back in the Attitude Era and even the eighties and stuff when you were watching, you had to watch it. If you missed it, you just missed it. I called you old. Yeah. <laughs> you were watching in the 80s too, Joe. <laughs> he, he just pointed you I out. mean, I am older than you, yes. I got the 90s. You got it the was 80s. directed at me. You Okay, you're the 90s, I'm the 80s. Fair enough. Yeah, like, yeah, like you had to watch it. If you watched, if you missed it, you missed out. So you had to be tuned into your television. But like I said, the ratings don't matter. Patrick right? Mahomes is dead. Oh. Oh, man. Yep. That's not good. Did he take a hit to the nope. head, or did anybody no. see what I don't happened? Know. His knee. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. And one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna do is I'm going to stop projecting on AEW what I wish that they were, because they did not set out to be this brand new thing. That's like something original, and 
they're they're trying to get back a little bit to some of this stuff like Cody talks about like going back to the stuff he loved about wrestling years ago. I need to stop projecting that like I want them to be something like new and different. And so with that being said, like I'm I'm never going to come on here and just like shit on AEW cuz I don't think it's worth it to do. Um and I thought like the show on the show last night was like I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah, I did too. My, my, that was my first, the first show my brother's been to since WrestleMania in New Orleans. And he went in there with basically a blank slate. He didn't really know anybody that, that was that was there. It was like his first time seeing a lot of them. And he he enjoyed the show. Had he, he really watched did. the first two weeks? I think, he sort of, I, think he, I think he saw the first week. I don't recall him saying he saw the second week, but I know he watched the first. Some good moments. I guess he liked it. First match was like Scorpio Sky. That was fun to watch. It seemed like the crowd was really behind them. I'm sure you could speak to that, Alo. It seemed like... Well, I actually missed that match because parking at the Leo Chorus Center is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy to park down there. No. Uh, yeah, so, Scorpio Sky got like won the crowd over. He did most of the match in one shoe, <laughs> and did part of the match with no shoe. Then threw a shoe, and then the shoe came back. So into yeah, the that was actually a really good moment. He had the one shoe on. I think they were chanting, "He's got one shoe." <laughs> And he took mm. his shoe off and threw it into the crowd. And like 30 seconds later, all of a sudden, you see the shoe come back into the ring. And he's like <laughs> looking around. So somebody caught it and threw it back in. Did the camera pan to Marco stunt in the ring dancing during uh, the Lucha Brothers entrance? I don't no. remember seeing okay. it, so probably not. He had me die because he was dancing to their entrance, their entrance music when they came down the ramp. Like I, I'd, I'd introduce my brother to Jungle Boy. Like, like, Do you know who this is? Do you know his lineage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got some. Uh... Yeah, are you familiar with his family tree? Exactly. I had to tell him. He was like, "Really?" He was like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, and I like that uh, Jr. actually referred to him as his real name. What is it, Jack? Jack. Jack yeah. Perry. Jack Perry. He said Jungle Boy Jack Perry, which I was like, "Oh, I'm glad that they actually said his name and they mentioned him being Luke Perry's son." Yeah. Oh, and I want to bring up Rio. Rio had a great reaction. When she came out, like Philly loved her. So that's one of my first notes, actually. Oh, really? So we talked the first week about how none of us liked that match when it started. And then we all got sucked into it by the end of it. And she got that great reaction. So the first note I have about the women's match is just that Britt Baker stinks. She (laughs) is not good. You Um, You don't like the doctor? No, I mean, she might be, like, a good character. A lot of people probably find her attractive. I don't necessarily, which is fine. But she's not good. Like, she... And nobody could convince me otherwise. Uh, (laughs) But is there anyone in wrestling right now that gets sympathy from a crowd like Rio does? No. Like, one one of the things I, I have not liked about AEW is the formula of the false finish. Like, you know I can't stand that. Because the the IWC will complain about John Cena or whoever, but they love it when it's, you know, Tanahashi or whoever, Okada, I don't know, one of those guys that, I, that I've never seen wrestle. When they, <laughs> when they kick out 400 times, it's amazing and it's a five-star classic, but if Roman Reigns does it, you know, WWE sucks. So there's too much of that, but every time that she kicks out, it feels like everybody cares that yeah. she kicked out. And 
I don't know if it's because she's so small. I don't that, know if it's that's because, one of it for me. But like, again, like I was not necessarily enjoying the match. A lot of the movement was like so slow and just didn't look necessarily good. Like from a physical standpoint, but she had that one kick out. I think it was after she took uh, the whatever the neck breaker is and then took the super kick when she was on her knees and she kind of fell back and she just like barely kicked out at two and the crowd popped and I actually smiled like, like, Oh, she, (laughs) she did it. And then when she ended up winning and you heard the crowd pop and like, I felt happy. I was like, Oh my God, somehow she gets the entire crowd behind her every time. And I don't think it's necessarily because, like, I don't want to be insulting there. I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler, but she's not, like, as good as most of the women wrestlers we see in WWE and a lot of the more famous ones that we see. But somehow, she does the thing that's hardest to do, which is make people give a shit about her. Do you, with ease. Like, do you agree with that? Like, do, do you feel the same way about her matches? Like, you end up invested in them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely does capture the fans attention or heart whatever you want how you want to paint it i think heart might be the the best word to use because i do think that they're like that people just like care people and especially the crowd in philly love the little guy <laughs> that's very true <laughs> the underdog in in philadelphia so alo that came across to you obviously live yeah because all the false finishes in person were, were great because at one point i was like are they really going to have Britt baker win the title here because i, I thought there was more to the story because I, I was waiting for Britt possibly turn heel on her because they're promoting Britt, because uh, Dynamite's going to be in Pittsburgh next week. That's Britt's hometown. So I thought something was going to happen with them to lead to there. But I thought the match was excellent, even though you say Britt Baker stinks. <laughs> 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 but I, I thought the match was fun. And the, th- and the thing with Rio that isn't, isn't enjoyable, like you said, everybody gets behind her. But it feels like she's telling the story with her, her how small she is. And... You can actually believe every time she gets knocked down that that's it. Oh, yeah. And that, I think that's probably – like maybe that's what it is that gets you is because like you really believe she's going to lose. Because I felt the same thing. I was like, oh, Britt Baker's about to be the new ch- – I think two or three times. I was like, oh, she's about and to be the new And you would have been disgusted champion. by that. Yeah, and then it didn't happen. So it's like while the – and see, this is why I don't put as much of a premium as a lot of other wrestling fans on, like, your work rate, quote-unquote, or whatever, because that can be not great, and your match can be good because of all the other stuff. And I think they they took us, like, on a ride for that match. It may not have been the most visually pleasing match. You wouldn't confuse it with uh, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura at NXT TakeOver Dallas, but... They took you on a journey, and like for the most part, I think everyone was happy with where they took us. Take us on a fantastic voyage. Yeah, <laughs> yes. To quote uh, former philosopher Coolio. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> um, you, you brought up Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt a couple minutes ago, and one thing I wanted to say was I. This is a very small detail, but I love in their <laughs> intro video. Did they do the cut, the vibrating cup from Jurassic Park? <laughs> really? Yeah. Because what do they call themselves? The Jurassic, the Jurassic something. Jungle Express. Jungle Express. I thought it was Jurassic something. But 
Oh, it is the Jurassic Express. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, so in Jurassic Park, I mean, I know you guys have both seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, and that's T-Rex. An, that's a, a well-known scene, too. Yeah. yeah, like how Jeff Goldblum's character realizes that T-Rex is coming as he sees the little circular pattern forming in the cup of water. And I love that they did that in their intro video. You see the water with the vibration. And they were a fun tag team. It's funny that Marco Stunt is... His most of his usefulness to the team is Jungle Boy using him as a weapon, <laughs> which I think is funny. He legitimately looks like a twelve-year-old. That dude's he the size does. of me, and I think he's smaller. smaller. You, Joey, you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. My, bro- my, my brother was like that poor that poor guy. <laughs> he's so small. Uh, yeah, I thought they were great though, and uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add from. Like, your viewing experience of AEW. The the last thing I kind of wanted to mention, while I am saying, like, AEW is basically, to this point, strictly a wrestling show. They're not giving me anything beyond that that I'm looking for. But I really loved that segment they did with Cody. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of point out. Because that was very well produced. It was very well put together. It told a good story. Um, And I think, like, there are some who have a problem with Cody... The idea of Cody making himself the champ, like, immediately. Uh, like, I've seen complaints about that on social media. But to a certain degree, like, he's a big reason why this happened in the first place. Like, say whatever you want about the Young Bucks, and I know they had gained a lot of popularity on their own. But Cody raised the level of exposure and popularity of them to, like, a new level. And I don't know if anybody could even argue against that. Like, they reached a new height when Cody became part of it. Yep. Um, One, I don't think Cody's going to be the champ anyway. I think they're going to keep the belt on Jericho. But if he is, I kind of almost feel like that would be a cool moment to see. But so that maybe me saying I want more from them than wrestling... Like, maybe I just have to be patient, and I will get more than wrestling. Get a little more as they develop more people. Yeah, like, it's three weeks. And I think anybody complaining about it is, like, give it give it a little time. I don't think they're doing anything super different from WWE other than just not being WWE. But, like, that shows the potential that they have to put on, like, a really good show. Yeah, I agree. That Cody segment was really well. And, I mean, highlighted by DDP and his his, <laughs> du- his, Dustin Ro- his Dusty Rose impression. <laughs> yeah. I he mean, did the voice. You got MJF being like almost out of character. He was out of character, which I thought was kind of cool to see. They had their name Maxwell up in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's going. I don't know. Like we talked about last week about how these, I'm glad these guys aren't putting themselves over. Like for example, the Young Bucks in a tag tournament, and like even Hangman in the um, the main the, um, the final match of the title. I don't know if I don't know if I, I don't think Cody wins, but. I think MJF is turning on him at full gear. So you think that's was, gonna happen already? Yeah, because because I, even after double, even at um all out, I said what I'm looking forward to most is MJF turn on Cody when we reviewed all out. And there was a line in there where MJF I, I don't I forgot to watch it because I forgot ex- exactly what he said, but it was when he was talking about the importance of the title to Cody. MJF said something. I can, I don't remember, remember what it was, but. I was like, that might be a line to hang on. Like, that that overthinking you did with WWE, you could do that with AEW, and it might actually be valid. 
Um, yeah, I see. I wasn't thinking that just yet. Uh, what happened, Joseph? Look at the play. Oh, that's a great catch. I don't know who that is. Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Uh, Sutton. Uh, I have a, <laughs> my my uh, NFL knowledge is really at an all time low at this point after three years of not watching. So Sutton. It's <laughs> a good catch. Sutton with a big catch. Good, good catch with, between two defenders. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think that, but I, I think more so I was just struck by the fact that you weren't seeing MJF in his typical character. It was like this more like heartfelt, kind of like the real guy behind yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, but but you always know there's always something behind mm-hmm. like those little things. There's always something with those little things with MJF that'll actually come back and actually mean something. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'd have to go every, back and watch it. Yeah, everything he says or does has meaning. So I believe that. If I remember, if I remind me to send it to you, but when I see it, when you see it, you're like, okay, I see what he's talking about. Because I think that's that's why he's going to turn on him at full gear. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it probably when I get home after we re- finish recording this. Um, so I know Joey mentioned the uh, Hangman Omega versus Moxley and Pac. I always thought it was Pac. I just say Pac. I'm not gonna. Make it hard on yeah, myself. Was it Pac before you know, AEW? I thought. That's what I thought it was. They I, probably wanted to stay away from X-Pac, so <laughs> they made it Pac. <laughs> Pac. Uh, the Bastard. The Bastard Pac or whatever. Um, that was a good match. Yeah, and it was. It was fun to watch. A lot of high-flying moments. Obviously, you know, I always am excited to get to watch Big Match Ken. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good match. I, I do think that... Uh, they put on a good show. Philadelphia Street Fight. Why do they feel the need to call it that? I don't know. To me, I view that as strictly a WWE thing. They call it a town they're in street fight. And maybe it's maybe I'm just like maybe it was been called that forever for whatever reason I associate that solely with WWE and it feels like hey, it could have been a little more original. I did think that the main event was a little underwhelming. Did a little bit. Except for the the segment when immediately when Darby Allen started getting offense in with his hands tied behind his back, I thought it was good. What I don't get is why did they have to make it like he was about to win the match with no hands? <laughs> How about Jericho on the uh, skateboard? Awesome. <laughs> it, I don't know if you could I don't know if you could you were able to pick it up but the crowd was saying you can't Ollie no <laughs> I did not pick that okay up. <laughs> he probably can't Ollie no and Jericho's promo after um the tag match I thought was awesome yeah yeah when uh, he kind of pushed over the uh the Latinos uh, mm-hmm. over the bucks yes I thought that was great um but yeah all in all I thought it was a good show Joey, what were your thoughts? If you had any more thoughts on the on the the tag match with Omega and no, I mean it was a good match. I think again with the of the four competitors, Mox kind of kind of stood out as one who didn't kind of fit in. Everyone else is doing these jumps off the rope. Moxley was just there. Not that he doesn't, because he's a big name, but kind of that was my initial a very fault. different style from all the other three guys. From the other three guys, yeah, they were doing flips over the tops and things like that, but. That was kind of just one thought I had, prevalent thought I had in in that match. Am I the only one who thinks he has to do a little better with his gear? Yeah. Umox? Yeah. I, th- I don't like it either. I'm just so used to him in jeans and a beater. 
Yeah, like, I, and I'm I'm not saying he necessarily should go back to that, but like, do something. I just feel like it's not the best look. That look looks like someone. A jo- it looks like a jobber that came out. Like no name guy just had his gear and. Yeah, I, it, it's. I feel like he could do better, and he needs to do better. But I'm still excited that he walked away from WWE. I'm still excited that he landed in AEW and is going on his own path. Uh, Alo, two things for you, for you. One, what was like your personal standout moment of the night being in attendance? Like um, the thing you'll remember most from being at this show. Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a match or a competitor. Like it. Britannia, Brit Daniel's superb performance. <laughs> uh, um. Nothing really stood out. It still felt like a TV show to me. Like nothing, but it's, it's it wasn't a pay per view, so nothing spectacular happened. But I, I think it was cool to see the um, the whole Ryu thing live because because like I said, like how AEW is different from WWE is like they're pushing their Japanese talent, and I I made the statement that what Japanese talent actually really was huge in the u.s even though rio's this is only rio but they're they're making they're they're making a statement that they're not just going to push american talent they're going to push this japanese talent as well okay and then the other thing i had was there with your brother do you think he had any takeaways was there anyone that maybe he saw for the first time or like was there any takeaways you got from from the baby face, Ronald Lloyd. <laughs> the baby face. <laughs> I think I, I think a lot of this everybody was new to him because, uh, like you said, he. I think he liked the um, the Jurassic <clears throat> Express. I think he liked Jungle Boy, cause especially when I broke told him who he was. Um, and Mar- I think he had a thing with Marco Stunt. He enjoyed the women's match. I know he said. I know he verbally told me that. Uh, the main event, he didn't really react much to. I don't think. Um, that's that's about it for the most part, I think. But he did say he enjoyed himself, and it was different from WWE because he said when he watched, he tried to watch Smack, but he just couldn't do it. No, I can't say I blame him. But he could sit through AEW. Yeah, and you know what? I can too. Now, I did not watch it live this week. I was exhausted last night, so I watched it a couple hours ago. So I did get get the opportunity to like fast forward through commercials, but I didn't fast forward through any of the show, which I normally would have done with Raw or SmackDown. Um, so they haven't lost me as a viewer yet, uh, and they're not close to losing me as a viewer yet. They haven't insulted me yet. But they're not captivating you either. No, they they don't have me where I feel like I cannot wait till next Wednesday. Is it definitely better than Mondays and Fridays? Yes. But they have not gotten me to where it's like, oh, I can't wait till next week. And actually, there is something that I can't wait for next week, but it doesn't have anything to do with AEW on Wednesday night next week. It has to do with a match I mentioned on last week's show that I thought would happen. Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. I will be tuning in for the first time to NXT on USA to watch Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. Maybe the only time I tune in live, but I will be tuning in live next Wednesday. The only time? Oh, man. It may be. I mean, don't do yourself a disservice. There are some good <laughs> live NXT matches. Yeah, I do want to see that. I think it'll be good. Um, I kind of think Rhea Ripley's going to win because I feel like that's the, way, that's the way they've been going. They've been pushing her like that, yeah. 
Uh, although Bianca Belair has been doing a lot, I've seen her be doing like interviews and stuff like that. So maybe WWE is kind of grooming her to be the star of NXT. I don't know. Um, but I'm anxious to see that and anxious to see how it comes across. Cause I, I really am a big fan of both of those two. Uh, Alo, the first two weeks, I know you said you were, you were in attendance last night. The first two weeks, were you just watching AEW or were you watching both? Um, I was mainly paying attention to AEW, but I was changing channels. Okay. So you were going back and forth as the night progressed, yeah. mostly AEW, but you were checking out NXT. Yeah. Um, unless anyone else has anything else, I think we're on to the Total Divas segment of the show. I have one thing. Okay. How do you feel about, uh... Master P purchased at House of Glory and calling out WWE. I mean, look, <laughs> it's funny, but like, dude, you're like eighth in line at this point. <laughs> did you see the video? I of did. Him? That is this video of him like promoting House of Glory, how they come up for Vince McMahon, and he was like, CM Punk, if you want to be me- a star, <laughs> call me. So like that. To me, that is like when I would call out Brock Lesnar on the show. <laughs> but the best part <laughs> was when he said CM Punk, it's like he said CM. Then kind of like you could kind of see like he looked down at his paper on the ground or something like that. To make sure he got the so, name right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, yeah. So he's like, so CM Punk. I'll let you know, <laughs> something like that. Unbelievable. I mean, look, it's funny that he would do it's that. It's very entertaining. That might be the one guy that I I root for Vince against. <laughs> Mr. P. Yeah. There's one thing he can do for me to actually go. Give us the dream match we all been waiting for: Bow Wow versus Romeo, where Angela Simmons is the referee. I'd, I'd buy, go. That. I'd buy a ticket to that. <laughs> That's the only thing he can do for me. That's I would drive to Atlanta to go buy a ticket for that. I, I think it's in New York. Oh, okay. Also, Glory is based on New York, I think. Like. Give everybody the dream match they want. I got Romeo. I'll take Bellwell. I got 10 on it. All right. Oh, $10 bet if it ever happens. <laughs> um, I got Bow Wow. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm glad you brought that up, Ayla, because that's ridiculous. And I, I know somebody texted me that. Yeah, we, we all talked it about it. It was so. I'll send you the other video where he says CM Punk. It was so funny. <laughs> So, Total Divas, this this week, I, as I said, was a must-review because it was titled Rowdy Ronda. We had storylines between, you know, Ronda and Natty. We had Sonya Deville with her Pride storyline and her Ronda Rousey storyline. We had the Carmella Corey Graves saga ongoing. We had Naomi's battle with her... Body image. Alo, what did you think of this week's episode of Total Divas? Rowdy Ronda. Um, it wasn't as good as the first two weeks, but it was a lot of progression. Like, I did enjoy, like, Ronda um, kind of getting Natty out of her shell. I did enjoy that. I, I, the, the Carmella and Corey Graves thing is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best thing on television. It's the best I, love story I, on TV. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Give me all of that. But I do think it was, this was the weakest episode of three. I'll tell you this one thing right now. She follows him on Instagram, but Liv Morgan is perfect for Eric. 
<laughs> she is Eric to a T. The random, the random stuff you want to do and the random comments. That's Eric. <laughs> so this obviously wasn't as explosive as the first two. But I did think it was a really good episode. And you know I have thoroughly enjoyed any opportunity to bash Rhonda and Kevin Federline on this show. <laughs> I think because we got less Kevin Federline this week, I actually really enjoyed Rhonda on this week's episode. I loved the all the stuff of her. You know, the stuff with her and Natty Deep. I don't know if you would remember this. Joey would probably remember it. The Simple Life. Mm-hmm. The reality show with Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton where they would go like fast food places and they'd go work on a farm. That's what it reminded me of, seeing Natty completely out of place working on a farm. Uh, I really liked when seeing the way Rhonda handled the Sonia Deville stuff when Sonia kind of called her out and Rhonda fired back. And Rhonda was like, like, when you say something on social media, I assume you're in character, so I respond in character. I love that... Rhonda, like I was on Rhonda's side with that whole thing. Like, yeah, you're you're trying to get an angle over with Rhonda. You can't get upset when Rhonda actually responds to it. That should be what you wanted. Yeah, because that 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 was those set of videos where Rhonda was going basically shooting. Remember those sets of videos yeah. from like February? Yeah, I just felt like I, I thought she came out looking the best she has looked so far in any of these episodes, um, and. I really believe that this is better programming than, like, anything else WWE has on, like, real TV. (laughs) And here's the reason why I say this. Um, For one, when I watch it, I'm juggling, like, what do I think is real and what do I think is fake? And I sometimes I can't figure it out, which I like because there's that, like, ambiguity there. But also, like, Sonya Deville, for instance. They've made me care more about her in three episodes then WWE has made me care about her in three-plus years in NXT yep. and on the main roster. Yep. They give you a glimpse into these people. Uh, you get to know them. You get to, like I said, you get to care about them. Like Even like the something so small as seeing her feel uncomfortable wearing a dress and high heels and seeing like Naomi talk to her about that. Naomi saying, you know what, I should stop worrying about the fact that I'm, I've gained 10 pounds and I'm not happy with the way my body looks. And even me, like I can relate to that. Like there's a reason why I was in 95 degree weather would be wearing a hoodie over an, an oversized plaid <laughs> shirt over a, an oversized t-shirt over an oversized Nike dry fit shirt because I didn't like how fat I was. And I did like all this stuff to cover it up. Um, like, I feel like everybody has those insecurities, and I feel like, oh, they, they like, shined a light on something that a lot of people deal with. And, yes, Corey, get, getting to see, like, Corey Graves not in on-air character not is a char- really yes. enjoyable to me. Like, thoroughly enjoyable. And it's so funny to me how opposite the two of them are. Like, you could almost tell everything she does. He's like, oh, my God. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> No, but I'll, I'll give Carbella credit here. When she said he couldn't make it, she didn't lose her shit. No, like she does for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> she handled that better than anything else I've seen happen on the show. Well, well, well she didn't cry. Right. But, but she handled it well. Like she didn't get upset or anything. She said, I understand. She said, okay. And then she told him later in the night. It was actually a surprise party for you and stuff like that. So I appreciated that. She still served the cake. Yeah. 
and so I really appreciate that because most women would have been gone nuts. It's the small things. Yeah. Yeah. And was WWE ahead of the curve, ahead of Disney, with the Black Mermaid? Yes. <laughs> it had to have happened before Disney made the announcement. Yes. Um, but all this to say, I felt like this week was like a good episode in that you got a lot of like interpersonal stuff. There was a lot of like good emotional moments in this episode, a lot of like good interpersonal stuff. And it seems like next week is going to be another explosive episode when Nia Jax is back in full force. Ooh. Yes. That's a can't miss. Like, uh, I found yeah. myself more happy watching this because there was no Nia. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she really has uh, has put me off in the first <laughs> two episodes. I was glad that I didn't see her. Uh, but yeah, another good week for, for Total Divas. How many episodes are they doing a season? Um, I'm not sure. Well, we're, we're three down. I assume there, uh, there's probably at least seven more in this season. Seven to nine more. I would guess they probably do ten or twelve. Um, but yeah, WWE, keep up, whoever's doing this, keep up the good work. It's well-produced. It's well-written. Uh, it's well-performed. And yes. Liv, Liv Morgan, who I have not been the biggest fan of, like I thought she came across really well in this episode, too. Like that youthful exuberance. Yes. I feel like she almost comes across as like the little sister to the group. Yeah. Like, that's just not as mature as everybody else. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But I think next week, yeah, Joey, if ever there was going to be a week you were going to tune in and watch, I would say next, next week. Next week? I might yeah. have to try and binge it. Again, try. I can try, make promises yes. there. I wouldn't, wouldn't hold you to it. <clears throat> but yeah, good episode. Looking forward to next week. Um, anything else from the world of wrestling? Did you hear that, Corey, that WWE is uh, they're late? I'm shocked that, that they're late behind this. But they're they're dropping their first comp- their first podcast with Corey Graves after the bell or something like that. Yeah, um, October thirtieth, and the guest is no one other than Homage. Of for the course. first episode. Why not put himself over on the first it, one? It, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, he's I got some w- things clearly to get off his chest, though. <laughs> like he wasn't on everything today, but. <laughs> But I think this would be a good show because I uh, I I do I love Corey Gray's insight. I think he's real articulate in the things he says, and I'm looking forward to this a lot. And the only thing I'm worried about is how far would he actually go, and what's like basically the uh, the synopsis going to be on a week weekly basis. How far can he go? Yeah. Well, he is the savior of misbehavior, so you're employed yes. by WWE. <laughs> I'm sure you're. Totally, yeah, totally I'm sure line. he's got he's got some some guidelines and some rules of reg- and regulations. Oh, Alo, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. Is it true that Eric Bischoff is out and Bruce Pritchard is in? Yes. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad you kind of brought this up. So, um, I know Eric was upset. <laughs> I guess I, I I I'm not sure. I never heard his take on Bischoff. I just know that Eric Bischoff spells his name the right way. That's the only <laughs> thing I know about Eric, Lynch, Eric Bischoff. But this is the thing. This is what – it's like I compared this to sports. Now, granted, I have listened to Bischoff's podcast. I I, may, I, try, I, I forgot to to try to give a better insight on my, my response to this. But from when Paul Heyman was in charge of Raw recently, we can handpick what Paul Heyman – Likes and we could say, okay, this is Paul Heyman's in, impact on this. To me, 
like I said, I don't know Eric what Eric Bischoff's mind is and whatever, because basically everything we knew about Eric Bischoff and WCW and even an impact was he's into the big main event level guys. So to me, with my answer, I'm going to give Eric Bischoff. He's more of a, more of a, just, um, a name brand like in sports, like for example, like Adrian Peterson right now in football, he's just a name brand, you know, um, he still plays, but he's not the old Adrian Peterson. Right. Someone like me who skipped the NFL for three years still knows who Adrian Peterson is. Yeah. So, like, he, you'll know. You'll, right, like Marshawn Lynch is probably a bigger star than most of the guys in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Adrian Peterson, everybody remember him from the Vikings and the, the year he, he won all the Russian titles and stuff like that. But now he's just a running back. On a on a Redskins roster, notoriety. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how I feel about Bischoff because I, like, I can't see like his vision what what was going on in on SmackDown. Now Bruce Pritchard from his show that I listen to, I don't listen to Bischoff's show yet. I know kind of what where his mind is, and he's always had like his eyes out like on the workers like he's big on like the guys we feel that were underrated and should be like world champions like <clears throat> he was really big on christian he was big on perfect and guys like that but vince never really believed in those guys or wanted to put them to that level now i believe this is his first time really running a show i know he's been a part of creative and in talent relations but i know i know his view so We'll see how what SmackDown starts to look like, but the whole Bischoff thing—I just can't see where Bischoff's fingerprints were on SmackDown. Like I could see Paul's. So you have some? Do you have like hopes for Bruce Pritchard? Um, yeah, because I, I right know I kind I kind of already have an idea of what he likes and what he's going for. Like he's a big Matt Riddle guy. Like before Matt Riddle came to WWE, uh, Conrad would ask him, "Who do you think?" Who you think is the next? Who, who you think on the Indies could be the next guy in WWE? His answer right away has always been Matt Riddle. So he I likes a certain. That. So he so he likes a certain type of guy, and he's adjusted to the times and stuff like that. Even even before, like I said about the Christian the Perfect, some of the most some of the best wrestlers ever never really got to the top of the mountain. So I kind of have a, an idea of what I may get out of Bruce. And do you think he has enough of a relationship and enough sway with Vince to? to kind of get his way where other guys might not. Um, possibly because he's been, he's worked with Vince for over 25 years. So even though he's been, he was, this, he's been, this is his first time back since 2008. He's, he's been there for years, even the, um, from the nineties to 2008 and to now. So he's been, he's been around. So he knows how Vince thinks and stuff like that. And now he's in charge of SmackDown. So we'll see. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad that came up. I I don't listen to his podcast like you do. I just know how much I hate Eric Bischoff, and I'm glad he's not there. <laughs> so Put a to little me, cheer, cheer. To me, you. yeah, it has to be a, a, a has to be forward progress at that point. If you're not going back to '90s WCW, uh, so yeah, because yeah. like. Yeah, because like by '90s WCW, he didn't give a damn about the cruiserweights. So I can't really say like that's his thing. Right. The only thing I the only thing I associate Bischoff with is the bigger names like well paul i could i could i could 
pick out what's Paul's imprint, like the Maria Canellas, Mike Bennett, crazy stuff that was going on, like the push of Cedric Alexander and stuff like that. I could pick that out. Like that, that seems like Paul. Who's responsible it, for the Bobby Lashley angle? Oh Lord, probably Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say, say he was perfect. <laughs> That's, that, that, that's real disturbing. Yeah. So it, it's it it really is is uh, off putting. Is one way I would put it. it. I don't enjoy it at all. I don't know, not one bit. But like I don't need to see Bob smile ever again. I don't need to see Bob it's, ever again. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so creepy. Like t- like th- did you see this week? Mm-mm. Like he was like Lana was getting a massage from yeah. a masseuse. And then he told Bob comes in and tells the masseuse to leave, and he starts giving Lana a massage. And then uh, Lana says, "Let me turn around," but like Bob's smiling the entire time. Ah, sounds about right for WWE programming. <laughs> God, why even try putting this guy in that? He does not have the charisma or the ability to like do anything with it. No, at all. Not even in the slightest. His sisters would be more convincing than him <laughs> in this role. Uh, but I guess that's it for this week. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed Dynamite. I hope whoever watched NXT enjoyed that. That'd be me. I know you all enjoyed it more than you enjoyed what you saw on Monday night. And enjoyed it more than you'll enjoy whatever is on, on Friday night. Um, Subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a five-star rating and review. Alo, would you like to move some merch? What a maneuver on net to embrace the madness. So for Mr. Sexy Punta Cana, the now forever C. Kane Joe Rodermel. Pimps up, hose down. <laughs> for Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. I am Ron Pashery Jr. and we will see you next week. Got them now, put them down right now, hit them with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls, shut the mission, man. It ain't safe to land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.